podcast as part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High anyway! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! have won the world championship welcome to benny and the bets podcast can you believe it here's your host terry cushman Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. This is a milestone edition, episode number 150, so kind of crazy that it's been that many this fast, but here we are. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Apple Podcasts, and the link for that is right above your video window. Click that, subscribe, rate us five stars if you would be so kind, and leave some comments uh, if you also don't mind. Also, we could be found on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and literally everywhere. Wrapping up the All-Star break, we uh, covered the Tigers series in the last episode. So tonight we will do a special trade talk edition. And then in the final segment, we'll grade some previous trades uh, in July from Dave Dombrowski. So... A very heavy uh, trade theme edition and uh, a little bit of J.D. Martinez talk sprinkled in. I am Terry Cushman and I'm joined, as always, by Jeremy Schilling and Liz Churchville. How are you guys? Pretty good. Carefree, man. Carefree. Well, we we haven't lost a game in a few days, so... That's uh, pretty good. Not not really possible to lose uh, in that time. So, did you guys see uh, any of the All Star festivities? Sure did. Yeah, I love it. A lot of people think it's lame, but I freaking love the I love the home run derby. That was freaking amazing, and I love the game. I mean, where else are you going to see that many stars on you know on the field at once? So, of course, you're not. Uh, and I aspire to go to it one year. So I love it. So the home run derby was awesome, and uh, with Vlad in there and the interplay with his father, um, uh, he that whole thing was an electric factory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the game itself, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's hard. You're not going to see runs because everyone that you know that comes out of the bullpen's fresh, fired up, and humping mid to upper nineties, and it's just difficult offensively. So. Um, you know the game's okay. Uh, it's certainly better than like the NBA All Star Game, but but the Home Run Derby is really, I think, 
the highlight of the weekend. It really, really delivered. I thought it was awesome. So mm-hmm. glad Vlad did that. Hopefully he does it one more time becomes, be, before he becomes too big for it because that was really, really cool and fun to watch. Yeah, watching him and uh, Jock Peterson go at it was really fun, and their approaches were so different. I mean, Vladimir was just so explosive, and Peterson was just so calm and deliberate with his. And I kept thinking Vlad had him, Vlad had him, but but Peterson kept coming back to tie it, and either one of them could have won it, you know, with just one home run not coming up just short and just so intense and you know i think just watching them go through that semifinal round kind of stole the show you know of the entire final it was just crazy yeah it was it was really cool i thought he was gonna take it um did either of you guys do uh like brackets i know the mlb was doing a contest or whatever did you guys do anything uh, or just for your no. own for your own selves, did you do a bracket for it? I didn't really do anything. Jer- Jeremy, I bet. I <laughs> go ahead, Terry. Well, Let's see s- what Terry guesses. What I did? Well, I knew I knew you had money on a player that uh, <laughs> didn't exactly win. So yeah, I uh, <laughs> no, I bet on Vlad uh, three to uh, one. Did you? Did uh, you? So I thought I. I, I he got gassed facing Peterson like Terry said, so I mean I you know and then I bet the under in the All Star game which is the easiest bet of all time so mm-hmm. I mean that's where my my money slash gambling interest lied for the for the weekend but I have to say this I'm ready for regular baseball to be back tomorrow yeah because absolutely I mean this 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 week is the longest week there's no other sports on. I mean, you know, it's just this week is just brutal. I've been watching a lot of Big Bang Theory on TBS. This is with nothing better to do. It's like, please, Red Sox, come back. If they get rained out tomorrow, I swear to God. Oh, is is that likely? I haven't even looked. No, it's just one of those things, you know. Oh, I mean, okay. I I don't know that it's likely or not. I just I need a game. I need regular baseball. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you do you watch do you watch on MLB TV, Jeremy? No, I have DirecTV with the sports package and the and the MLB extra innings. So I watch oh. Nesson. I watch Nesson, oh. and then I watch the game, and I watch the post the post game. Oh, okay. I just I didn't know. I was like, well, at least if you have that, you know, maybe unlike Terry, because his uh, coverage would is probably local. I, I would assume up there, um, you could at least pick another game. Maybe although I know that the Red Sox are your preference, but you know, at least if no, it's so really want to I, watch something, I else. have. Like every channel available, so I have the Yes Network, Nesson, Root Sports, like all of them across the entire mm-hmm. country, and all the games. It just mm-hmm. happens to be through like my regular TV. Oh, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I actually yep. have uh, MLB TV on my Roku, so even though my Red Sox comes in, you know, local, I can watch any game, you know, via that. Yeah, that's what that's what I have too. Yeah, yeah, I've had it for years ever since I lived in Boston, and that's what I used uh, to watch the Rays. Was that, and that's when I got hooked on watching other teams. Was then, so I love it. I'll never get rid of it. Yeah, I like it as well. And you can see where they're at, you know, in the game before you click on it, and you can pick which mm-hmm. broadcast crew. So that's nice. You can. It's almost like red zone in a way for NFL. You you just pull up the screen and you're like, oh geez, the Brewers have. 
two in scoring position. Let's go to that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just nice. But anyway, yeah, let's uh, kind of get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the show, if you will. Uh, it came out a few days ago, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit, that the Red Sox are actually going to attempt to target a starting pitcher instead of a reliever. So um, let's just discuss, you know, what we think the thought process is behind that. Um, and uh, go ahead, Jeremy. I mean, what's your take on the sudden change of, you know, going after a starter? I don't know that it's a change. I just think it's a change from what everyone thought they would do. I mean, my my thought on it is they think that if they get the fifth spot solidified, that'll push people down a spot with Evaldi coming back, and they can use their in-house assets to strengthen the bullpen if they take um, you know, a guy like we're going to talk about, Zach Wheeler, um, and put him in that fifth spot. Um, I don't agree with it. Um, but I, I mean, that's clearly what they're thinking. Um, so I guess instead of putting right in the fifth spot, you put a guy like Wheeler in the fifth spot instead of drafting for the bullpen. And then that puts right into the long reliever spot, which bumps Velasquez probably to a second or backup long reliever spot. And then Evaldi comes back and that puts Barnes into the eighth. Hembry into the seventh, you know, and so on and so forth. I, look, I think part of it is they feel like the, the back end of the starting rotation uh, inventory across Major League Baseball is better than whatever they think they can get for bullpen arms. So I, 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 I'm fairly confident that's their thought process. I just don't know if, if it's going to work because the other thing is, and they've already done this, so it's not like I'm reinventing the wheel. I think they believe that if they can improve, as I just described, and then they do get into the playoffs, it's going to only be sale, price, probably Erod, um, and then everyone else will be in the bullpen, and then they'll probably do that Rover thing again. So they're not so worried um, you know, about maybe the postseason if they can get there as a result. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're kind of on the right track. I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I also think they simply just, they don't think they're going to win in a bidding war against a Shane Green type guy. And he's the prize, really, of uh, relievers this summer. They could go after Will Smith uh, from the Giants, who was uh, an all-star this year. I think even pitched in the game. And, uh, but, you know, they just probably think they're going to get outbid. So I I think that's kind of some of the logic behind it. And I just think they're that much sold that Evaldi's just going to have to be, you know, the ninth inning guy. And you mentioned Barnes in the eighth. I also think Brandon Workman will potentially kind of tag team that inning with him. And you might see, you might see Workman come in in the seventh sometimes with Barnes still pitching the eighth, you know, depending on how, you know, how things break, you know, with how many games they've pitched in a row. Uh, Josh Smith is emerging. I think they have a lot of confidence in Darwinson Hernandez where he will be a reliever now 
and you know just focusing on one inning i i think he's a potential high impact guy so uh, i think you know i, I think they're just going to target that that five starter and just having somebody going five or six innings you know every fifth day in that spot that in and of itself saves a lot of wear and tear on the bullpen so you know it's it's not a perfect situation but i i think they've thought it out and you know whether we agree with it or not that's the conclusion they've come to i mean yeah so all right so we'll uh we'll go through some and and, and look here's another thing and maybe i don't think dombrowski is um you know, I don't think he's like introspective enough to to be to have this be a factor. But this is a factor for me. Dombrowski, for whatever reason, has like a mental block about assessing bullpen talent, which doesn't he. But he doesn't have that with starting pitching. So, if you're telling me that Dombrowski's making a move for pitching, Terry um, and Liz, and he they they said they're going to target either a starter or a bullpen arm. And they're going to give up two mid-level prospects. I mean, where would your trust be in assessing the appropriate talent? I mean, he has a track record of building starting rotations. He has the he is catastrophically bad selecting and choosing bullpen talent. So, I mean, I, I doubt that's why he's making the deal. But for someone that's like questioning it, maybe that's one reason for you to be like, well, okay. I mean, obviously, I think we should go bullpen, but. If Dombrowski's driving the ship, he can't. He has. He, he has a mental block. He's. He, it's. It's almost like laughable and pathetic at the same time. So I mean, you know, and that's kind of sad that you almost have to look at it that way. But that's potentially a factor. You can't deny the fact that he's never had a good record. You know, when it comes to bull penning and 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 Terry, three different franchises. Over Marlins, 30 years. Tigers, Red Sox. And, and maybe the Twins. For forever and, put, and picking bullpen talent. It's right. pathetic. Right. He was, a, I don't know if he was the GM of the Twins, but he was a, He was probably at least a number two if he wasn't and uh, before he moved on to the Marlins. But just it's just crazy. How does a guy like that have a job? And you just hope right now that there's, you know, there's consultants and other front office people, you know, also having a say in this, assisting him, you know, through it. And who knows if it's going to work or not, but they have to do something. And I really thought when this came out the other day, Ken Rosenthal's tweet made it seem like it was urgent, like this could happen before the end of the break. And I thought it could certainly happen before next Wednesday because that would be when the fifth start, you know, comes through. So I'm a little surprised that, you know, nothing seems imminent. But we do have some names, though. So, Liz, uh, why don't you uh, take us through uh, the whoever's number one? Uh, I'm going to preface anything I say from here on out that uh, trades and all this stuff, uh, contracts are not my specialty at all. 
so bear with me, <laughs> everyone, I guess. Uh, but the first person we're going to look at is Zach Wheeler. Uh, he's with with the Mets currently. He's got a. Do you want me to go through it or just say Zach Wheeler and what I'm what I'm feeling right now? Because I know I'm I'm personally, particularly mid season, I'm personally not a fan of particularly pitchers changing leagues. Uh, I just think bringing a National League pitcher into the American League, you're not going to get the production that you want. Uh, you know, right now from them. So that's my feeling overall. It doesn't really matter to me anything else about him. Personally, uh, that might be completely off base. He has a lot of strikeouts. I'll give him that. Uh, but uh, I just I don't think it would be a good move uh, for the Red Sox at all. Well, Jeremy, what are your uh, thoughts on potentially trading for Wheeler? Well, okay, so any deal is conditional on the on on the return. So, I mean, if you have to give up, like, Chavis, I'm out on everybody. If you have to give up Dahlbeck, I'm out on everybody. If you have to give up Chatham, I'm out on anybody not named probably... Marcus Stroman. I don't even know if I'd use a name, but it would have to be someone that is a potential top three starter. Not necessarily on our staff, but just like a top three starter across Major League Baseball and have at least an additional year of team control. So, you know, you just we don't have the assets, right? We just don't. Now, assuming that we're going to get an expiring contract, and I'm going to talk about Wheeler in a second, and some, you know, you know, couple of low-level prospects, that's fine. I have no problem with that because anything is better than the current position spot we are with the fifth starter and i mean anything if terry has a has a medium two seamer he can get up there and hump at 84 that's better than what's going on right now in the fifth spot so with zach wheeler here's why i like the deal assuming it's a mid-level prospect and a couple of low-level prospects he is on he's 29 years old he is in the prime of his career and he is pitching for his first unrestricted free agent contract, so he's motivated as fuck. Now, he is in the absolute dumpster fire, pathetic, loser, just the worst franchise in all of baseball in the, in the New York Mets. And I think that him getting out of that situation uh, and having a fresh start with three months to go in the season, facing an unrestricted free agent situation... You're going to get a motivated guy. And the reason why I like Wheeler is his stuff is really good, despite the fact that he's underwhelmed this season. He's got a plus fastball. He's got a plus curveball. His strikeout rate is legit. I mean, he's got 130 Ks um, in 119 innings. Um, my understanding of this player is he stays healthy. Uh, he's a 200, 180, 200 innings guy. Um, you know, He's got, you know, he's given up 150 base runners in 119 innings, so his whip's not elite, but it's not terrible. He's given up 16 home runs, which, you know, obviously that's a lot of home runs, and his ERA is not great. But I do think a fresh start combined with his stuff, like his talent um, is, you know, he his upside, I should say, is better than most. So I'm in on Zach Wheeler, assuming we're giving away – you know, yesterday's bagels plus like, you know, last week's newspapers because we need some. And, and look, the Mets, the Mets need the Mets need talent. They are not going anywhere. 
this guy's not going to re-sign with the Mets, so they, they're going to have to move him. The problem, because, and, I, and I'm going to lead Terry into this, almost anybody can outbid you in the Major League Baseball if they want to because everybody has a better farm system than the Boston Red Sox. That's very true. Um, but luckily for the Red Sox, he's not really the top prize, you know, of all starting pitchers. We'll get into one more in a minute. Bumgarner and uh, Trevor Bauer uh, is available, potentially. Marcus Stroman. These guys are all, um, you know, probably a little bit more highly desired than Wheeler. Also, Matthew Boyd, I saw the uh, Padres were connected to him uh, a few hours ago uh, from Detroit. So I don't think I don't think Wheeler is going to be a top three choice, you know, even for the Yankees. I don't think the Mets would even be willing to trade to the Yankees. So uh, that's one team kind of out of the race. I know the Brewers are probably looking to add the Phillies might. Uh, the Padres seem to be focused on impact starters, so not too worried there. So I think Wheeler is definitely within reach. He's kind of scuffling. There's a lot of risk, you know, that comes with, you know, bringing him in. He had a great season last year. Well, not a great season, but a, a very solid season. 29 starts, 331 ERA, 182 innings. That was basically, 2018 was his first full season back uh, from Tommy John. He did log 86 innings in 2017 in the second half after missing two full seasons. So still a guy that's kind of getting his bearings. He had some setbacks in that recovery. That's why he missed, you know, much longer than an average, you know, Tommy John patient, you know, would uh, normally miss. But... I think he has the most upside of anybody we could trade for at this point. If if he comes to Boston and isn't dealing with the drama, you know, like you pointed out, Jeremy. I mean, the Mets are literally a circus right now. And every day there's some debacle going on behind the scenes. You know, their manager, Mickey Callaway, had a dust up with a reporter uh, uh, two or three weeks ago, and then I think just before the All-Star break, him and the general manager clashed, uh, you know, behind the scenes as well. So not really a good environment there. So coming to Boston, everything seems to be pretty chill. We haven't really had a clubhouse controversy, uh, you know, probably since the Eckersley incident. That was 2017. Cora's a player's manager. He might be the right, you know, guy to kind of get behind Wheeler and maybe maybe surprise us. And when you're talking about the trade package, it it'll cost exactly that, probably just a mid-level guy and and maybe a low-level guy on top of that. Um, he's in his walk year. A lot of risk, so the Mets aren't really in a in a position to command a huge haul for a player like this. So it's interesting, and we've been connected to him in the last uh, forty eight hours. So, 
But do you guys really think that he's going to have, I mean, aside from just absorbing innings, which seems to be, you know, what is needed, you know, just to take some heat off of the, uh, off the bullpen and everything. Um, I mean, aside from that, do you really think he's going to be a productive piece, you know, at this point? Like he's going to help you maybe maybe get that spot in the playoffs? Well, maybe? if you're comparing him to Velasquez in the opener spot or Brian Johnson, absolutely. I mean, anything is an upgrade over them. Uh, he, Other than his last start where he got tagged for six earned runs against Philly, he's actually kind of reined it in a little bit. He, uh, you know, he had three starts in a row, giving up no more than two runs, and then uh, five and six starts ago, respectively, he gave up four earned runs against Atlanta, and then five against New York. So, um, you know, he he scuffled a little bit, but anything is better than than what we have at this point. You know, mm-hmm. coming out of the five slot, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, he's got plus stuff. I mean, no, look, and I've read a lot about, you know, what teammates say about him, and everyone knows he's gone. Uh, the Mets players, the Mets clubhouse has, has come out and said that they're happy for his next opportunity. You know, I mean, which also says a lot about the organization. But, look, he's got, a, he's got an upper 90s fastball. He's got a really good curveball. And uh, his stuff in and of itself are better. Now, there's typically an uptick in a new environment. And I would expect that from this player because not only you're going to have that uptick, but his upside is higher than most with his stuff. The other thing that I like about this particular player, assuming he's willing to do it, if you do get into a short series with his fastball and his strikeout rate, he becomes an immediate he, – he, he transitions from the fifth starter to an immediate playoff bullpen legitimate arm. Plus fastball, high strikeout rate. Like, that's what you need. I mean, I, and you immediately think of Evaldi last year. Um, although I think his stuff is just a little bit better than Evaldi. But, you know, so there's all, there's also that, which is one of the reasons why maybe they're targeting a starter, especially if they can get this guy, because they're saying, well, look, I think he's going to help us get in the playoffs. And then when he does, he's going to become our seventh-inning bullpen guy, uh, assuming the player is willing to do it. And in a walk year, you'd think he's going to do whatever he can to get paid because, you know, if you just watch last year, Evaldi did that and he got paid. Well, another so, thing, too, I, he has the potential to be a number three, I would say. And if he really reigns it in, you know, maybe even a number two on some rotations, maybe not a big market rotation. But, you know, when you look at Porcello, you know, struggling at times, maybe Wheeler, you know, rises above him, you know, in the Red Sox rotation. I think that's certainly possible. His stuff is significantly better than Rick's. Um, you know, but, you know, let him get here. Let him, you know, see where he's going to be, make a couple starts. Uh, and if, if he does, if his stuff rises to the top and the new and the new opportunity does motivate him, I mean, you can slot him in wherever you want. You know, if Erod's still not getting deep in games and, 
you know, and, and this guy, assuming you get the player, I mean, I think the Red Sox have shown a willingness to be flexible and do what's best for, for winning games. So we'll see. I mean, he's not going to leapfrog Sale. He's not going to leapfrog Price. Um, but I think he could slot in anywhere with good performance other than that. Absolutely. And before we move on, another name that, you know, the big markets might hone in on that the Mets are seemingly willing to deal is uh, Noah Syndergaard. So that just makes it all that much more attainable, you know, for the Red Sox to land a guy like Wheeler. You know, just throwing that out there. The Brewers, for instance, were connected to uh, Syndergaard. So I, I, I just, the Mets suck if they, I mean, Syndergaard is just so fucking talented. We don't have the assets to get a guy like that. So no, absolutely I don't even. Not. I don't even. I don't even need to. I don't even need to really chime in there. Yeah, no, and I was. <laughs> I was just saying, you know, it just it makes it makes Wheeler a little bit lower on the radar for a lot of other teams. Uh, Liz, yeah. who, who uh, who's next on the docket? Andrew Kashner uh, with the Orioles currently. Um, I actually kind of kind of like him as an option. <laughs> uh, I mean, he came from he came from the Padres. He went to a, he bounced around a little bit, uh, but he seems to be you know kind of settling in. He's probably the main reason you know uh, the Orioles have you know even any wins at all right now. Uh, he's familiar with the division. You know whether or not that really matters. Um, you know I don't know, but. Um, I mean, I think he'd be a he would. He, I think he would be a better option than Wheeler personally, but uh, but that's just me, and for for less. You Terry, you want to bet? You want to bet lead off here? Ah, uh, sure. My tablet's uh, <laughs> kind of screwy, but um... yeah, I know he doesn't have the strikeouts, which is definitely an upside to Wheeler. But I don't know. I feel like with with the defense he's going to have behind him. I mean, clearly he. He's 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 solid. He's not you know he's not the best thing out there. I mean, I have my favorite that I think uh, or that I hope the Red Sox can pull off. Get it? well. I, I hate to even say I can hope anything because uh, that means he'll still be pitching against uh, the Rays. But, um, uh, but I, mean, I, I, I don't I don't think I don't think Kashner is a bad is a bad option. I think he's settling into the AL East, and um, I mean I feel like he could. He could be that guy that absorbs innings pretty easily. He's gonna have have guys hitting a lot of ground balls, pop flies, and you know the the they can handle it. So yeah, I think it'll work out he well. He would be even cheaper of an option, you know, than a guy like Wheeler has. I mean, Wheeler had you know ace type potential. Like that was the hype on him earlier in his career before the Tommy John and. Kashner's more of a career journeyman who's having happens to be having one of the best years uh, of his career, and he's with Baltimore now, and he was signed uh, with them last season, so he's been with them, you know, throughout their whole tanking process. Previously, mm-hmm. like you said, Liz, with um, with the Padres, I think he was with Texas after them, and yeah, for like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think he's he he might be the safe guy if you're just looking for an innings eater to to go out there every fifth day. He's been pitching well all season. 
Um, he's had several quality starts in a row, uh, five in a row actually, and he's 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 pitching very well. So, um, you know, not not really a huge strikeout guy. <laughs> My laptop is so. Yeah, yeah. In so fact, look, here's the thing for me with here's the thing with me for Kashner. He is under contract for 2020 for 10 million dollars, um, and he's got some escalators in his contract for um, both starts and innings pitch that could make it, you know, I think as high as like 14 million if he's pitching well. Which I guess if he is pitching well, he's probably worth that. I don't like this player. Um, to me, he's just like an any an, an any day pitcher. You know, he's an or an everyday pitcher. He, he doesn't. I mean, he competes and he's an innings eater. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I don't. I, I he doesn't move the needle for me. He is going to be more expensive than you'd think he's going to be because of the second year of team control. But um, that's actually just I, an I option. That's an option year. So this could potentially be yes. It, it vest after innings pitch, which it looks like based on his health and the, the way he's been pitching, it's going to vest. And then if he if he pitches oh, okay. like if he averages 180 pitches, I'm sorry, 180 innings, which is also a possibility, but it, that's a little bit of a stretch. He'd have to pitch really well here in the back half of the season. Then it becomes a player option. But it, it uh, to me, and I'm looking at it on Spotrack, um, to me, he's going to vest into the 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 2020 year. So, but, but with, with that said, again, I don't, you know, that makes him a little more expensive because he has another year of player control, uh, but he does nothing for me. He really doesn't. And I commend him for pitching well in a terrible situation with the Orioles. Um, but I just don't, he doesn't do it for me. And then again, it's, let's assume he is your fifth starter. What he, one of the things he doesn't provide is that plus plus pitch that makes him a valuable commodity in the bull in the play and the bullpen if we get to the playoffs so i'm i'm team wheeler on this um and because we you're only getting wheeler for three months i i actually think that the haul it would take or if you even want to use that the 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 uh capital to get a guy like wheeler might be less than a guy like cashner who has again a second year under contract yeah i mean I see where you're saying now. I'm on. Uh, I'm just on Baseball Reference, and it, it listed it as a team option. But then I saw no. I saw the vesting, um, you know, circumstances. But um, ten million. I mean, that's a lot in in 2019 for the Red Sox. But when you when you factor in all the money coming off the books, which could potentially be upwards of close to a hundred million. Cause you figure pandas coming off, uh, Porcello potentially coming off. Uh, we'll get into JD later. He could come off slight chance. Mookie gets traded, you know, between now and the off season, most likely the off season if it happens, but you know, that's another 30, uh, Moreland and Pierce are going to almost certainly come off and they're, they're about 6 million a piece. So, I'm not really too hung up on the on the vesting option, but I mean he's a guy who's locked in right now, and this this could be in terms of at least the regular season, maybe not so much the postseason. This could be 
an Evaldi type deal last year. And Evaldi wasn't even that good in the second half of the regular season. So I think he does provide stability. He definitely does not have the sexiness of Wheeler. Wheeler has a, you know, a, a just basically a, a 10.0, you know, K through nine rate. Wheeler is only a 6.17. So definitely not a strikeout guy, more of a pitch to contact guy, but Still an immense upgrade over the the current options we do have. So I'm not saying I prefer him, but I certainly would not hate it if that deal got made. Well, um, there's we're going to talk about three more players, and I have him as, of the five, we're going to talk about probably fifth at best the fourth option I'd like to see. So, oh, fair, fair enough. You know, everyone's gonna, everyone's going to have their likes. Uh, who's next on the docket list? Madison Bumgardner, who I really like. You know, in the National League, in general, uh, with the Giants, preferably. Um, and I know Terry really. Li- I know you really like him, and you'd like to see him in a Red Sox uniform. He's uh, got a pretty good strikeout rate. I mean, he's he's you know he's a proven performer. He looks like he's faltering maybe a little bit this year, but uh, I mean, he's playing for the Giants, so I mean they're not doing so hot in general right now. But uh, I mean, I hate to say it, I'm really biased. The whole National League to American League thing just turns me off, and maybe that's dumb, but uh, I, I don't know. I just I never see that going well midseason. Like, I feel like at least if it happens in the off season, they have spring training to adjust and, you know, maybe get used to it, uh, get used to all the batters they don't, you know, see. Particularly with seasoned pitchers, it, it seems to be more of a struggle for them. With younger ones, not, not so much. I don't know why that is, and I can't really point to anybody right now, so please don't ask me to. But, I mean, just just from what I what I have paid attention to and um, – in the past so he's I really like him but I don't like him for the Red Sox and as far as his contract option I know his he's in the last year he's um pretty pretty pricey but I mean I guess we'd only be paying half of that so I just don't think he's he'll absorb innings I mean just like anybody else but I don't think he's gonna be he's gonna be really what they're looking for Jeremy what are your thoughts on Bumgarner I think he's overrated as an asset here. Um, you know, he's 29, so he's in the prime of his career. He did have a freak injury, I think it was two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't been at what he was in those World Series runs, which was just lights out. He's, you know, he's pitched 111 innings, 110 hits, uh, 24 walks, Um He's given up 17 home runs. He does have a decent uh, strikeout ratio. He's just over one strikeout per per inning pitched. So, you know, he's a little over nine per nine innings. But he's a four, over a four ERA. Um, the problem with Bumgarner is I think the haul for him is going to still be somewhat tied into his past successes and not what he currently is. And for that, I think he prices himself out of Boston. Um, now, with that said, if, if we're talking about 
the, the capital to get the players we're talking about today all being the same. Let's say they're all a mid-level and two low-level prospects. Then I take Madison Bumgarner because he's absolutely uh, fearless. He's pitched in the biggest moments, been successful in those moments. He's a clear competitor. Um, but I just I don't think it's the assets are all going to be created equal. I think Bumgarner is going to actually get some valuable assets back for the Giants, so that creates two problems. One, you don't have any assets. Two, everyone else can outbid you. And three, he's probably not worth that in his current state. So, Terry, uh, what are your thoughts? It's an interesting situation because I would think that, obviously, Syndergaard would be of higher value than Bumgarner as, you know, where they're at in their respective careers. I would also put Trevor Bauer at a, at a higher value than uh, Bumgarner, you know, basically from an impact standpoint again. And even though Bumgarner is uh, 29 years old, he made his pro debut in 2009 at age 19, only pitched a few games at the tail end of the season, came back the next year, uh, had a 3.00 ERA and 18 starts, also pitched in the World Series that year. So he's been around a while. He's kind of an old 19, a lot of mileage on that arm. You're seeing a lot of, uh, well, not, you're seeing his velocity dip. His hard hit rate is up. So there's definitely some red flags there, you know, for his free agency status. But he is in his walk year. And where he isn't really the, you know, the biggest commodity this offseason I'm just kind of interested. I think the Red Sox could potentially land him if his market slips far enough. And I think the Giants are going to make a huge mistake by not dealing him before the other two get dealt. Like, say Trevor Bauer gets dealt and the package is somewhat underwhelming. He just set Bumgarner's market. You know, Bum Bumgarner is not going to command a bigger haul than than Bauer. And Bauer has at least one more year of control after this, and so does Syndergaard. So it's it's interesting. This could be this could almost be a Yankee esque type move for the Red Sox to just simply you know I, I don't know if they the Red Sox can afford to wait it out though. That's the thing. But his market could slip depending on how it, how it goes for other teams. And, you know, the longer it goes, the better it plays into the Red Sox. But can the Red Sox afford to wait basically two more weeks? I'm not sure that they can. They No, they can't. I mean, they can't because they're, they're, they're if they get swept by the Dodgers – and Cleveland and the Devil Rays and Texas win, you're fucked. You're five games back in the wild card, and you have you know three or four teams ahead of you. You can't wait. Uh, you absolutely. can't wait. And I, I mean, there's just no question. Yeah, I'm just I'm just pointing out the the most realistic path for the Red Sox to land him, and unfortunately, it's not a favorable one with this pitcher. 
So, you know, I'm right there with you. I I feel the urgency. And and like I said, I'm a little surprised that a deal uh, has not yet, you know, gotten done. So. Any uh, thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, I think they're they're pretty dumb not to deal them too, but I mean, not not to the Sox. Like, I, I don't think that's a good, I mean, obviously the Giants don't care uh, as long as they're getting what they want, but uh, but I don't think, I don't think it's a good, it's a good move um, for them at all. They, they but, ought to deal him first because I, I feel like his, his market isn't yeah. going to rise. It's, it's going to, it's only going to drop, so they could potentially mm-hmm. get a bigger haul by by making the first move and 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 dealing him so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. uh who do we uh who do we have next who's the next possible uh trade candidate we got my favorite in the pack we got Marcus Stroman um i mean i know he's got an attitude ego problem and that may not mesh well with the team. That's really my only concern. But for me, like if the Sox want impact, they want to not only absorb innings, but actually win games, you know, with somebody. And I think have the lowest amount of risk that he's going to be detrimental uh, to the team. I go Stroman all the way. I mean, plus, uh, I mean, I don't know what a contract for him next year is going to look like. I think this is the last year of the current one that he's in. But um, I think he could potentially be, like, a serious piece of the puzzle. And if they wanted to keep him, I mean, I know they don't want to go, you know, spend, you know, tons of money. I I mean, I don't know who's dropping off payroll this season and what kind of things they're going to have available, uh, you know, possibly to sign him. But, um, But I just think he's he's the way to go. Uh, in my in my humble opinion, Stroman all the way. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, I totally agree. This is the guy I want. This is the guy I want. He's Plus. a competitor. Yeah. He's fearless. Um, he can he can beat good teams. Uh, I mean, I, I you know, I I don't think the market's going to be too big for him. Um, love his change up. He can dominate a lineup with with a second pitch. That's not a lot of not a lot of big league pitchers can do that. He's only twenty eight years old. Uh, he's got a three. I mean, he's pitching good this year. He's got a three point one eight ERA. He's thrown one hundred and four innings. Um, you know, not a big strikeout guy. He's you know he when he's going his best, he's a soft contact guy. Um. Like the player, like the player, and I know it may rub some people the wrong way because there's been a little bit of combativeness with this player in the Red Sox, but I, I think he'd help. I think he'd help right away. I think he'd help beat the Yankees. Um, I, I just, you know, that this is the guy I want if if I could get to choose. Spe- speaking of the Yankees, also signing him would keep him away from the Yankees, which would be my my like major concern. Was <laughs> I mean, granted, we'll, we'll both, both, well, the Sox will have to, you know, hit against him regardless of where he is, if he stay, if they don't trade him or, you know, if he's with the Yankees. But to see the Yankees get another, another freaking awesome starter is just painful. Um, yeah, no one cares about the Devil Rays, uh, <laughs> except for you and maybe uh, some people listening in Tampa. But that's just me, you know, I actually don't think that's true. The other factor with Stroman is that 
he's arbitration eligible for a final year next year. So he's making seven point four this year, and you would think he's going to get a decent raise to probably ten million to twelve million, which is fine. Strowman next year for ten to twelve million, I'm in. Sign me up. This is the guy I want, hundred uh, percent. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he might be a little bit outside the Red Sox price range. I, I think at a minimum, you're going to deal a Chatham type guy. You you shouldn't have to deal a Chavis level guy in, in or, with the Red Sox. One of the things I, I don't really like about Stroman is he's not a strikeout guy. You know, he's his av- career average is, you know, 7.2 per nine. Uh, he's just a little, slightly under that this season at 7.0. So a little bit of a pitch-to-contact type pitcher. Um and I think, much like Bumgarner, for him to fall in the Red Sox hands, it's just going to have to, the market's going to have to fall to them. And, and that's going to take closer to the deadline for that to happen. And I've seen some scenarios this week where some teams are trying to get him and Giles packaged together. And I just think that the level of interest for him is just pretty widespread, and I don't think the Red Sox would uh, really be a threat to land him. But I do agree that he has a ton of upside and could certainly help. I just don't like – I don't think it's realistic is all. If you can get him and Giles, I would consider putting a Dahlbach in in the mix. I do not trust Giles. I mean, he was an absolute wreck in Houston and seems to have kind of figured it out a little bit in Toronto. But the Red Sox did get to him uh, the last time they saw him. So he's a bit of a risk, I feel like. And and Fenway is just the perfect spot. I, I totally, well, I don't totally. I understand your point. But he would automatically be your best bullpen arm. Tell me I'm wrong, Terry. <laughs> I mean, pretend, he's got the stuff. Yeah, so uh, he would have probably the best stuff. Whoa. So, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, you know, if you could give up a guy like Dahlbach and then throw in a couple of bullshit prospects and you get Stroman for two a year and a half and then Giles – you know, which fits a need in the bullpen. And even if Avaldi comes back and he's still your closer, you just now solidify the eighth and ninth inning potentially, especially if Giles is what he is this year. Well, I just mean, a thought. If he goes on that roller coaster, though, we we just don't have the kind of time to ride it out with him. Is is all? But I... Terry, Terry, no one you're going to get is with the assets we have is a sure thing. And I, and I get your point with Giles. I, I mean, that was the first thing I said was I admit that Giles is by no means, you know, you know, he's not Mariano Rivera. Obviously, it's a terrible excuse because he was the most consistent reliever of all time. But he, um, he, he's a significant upgrade. And he lengthens when Evaldi comes back or coupled with Evaldi, he lengthens the back end of the bullpen substantially. 
Uh, yeah, potentially. <laughs> I, uh, that's the only that's the only way Terry will ever agree with me. By the way, is like, yeah, yeah. Well, geez, we just got rid of Tyler Thornburg. Do you want to bring? 2.0 in, you know. Harry, come on. No, come on. See, now that's just, this is, and Liz, you know, and Nod, because like, I'm sure I can see it from where I am. Uh, Nod, if you agree that this is Terry fitting the narrative into his, to fit his hypothetical. There, to, to, to liken Giles to Thornburg is just ridiculous. I mean, I don't have his numbers up, but I mean, he's what, a third or fourth year player, and in his second year, you know, with Houston, he just, he wasn't a factor in the playoffs. They couldn't go to him. They had to go to Morton and Peacock. And then one season later, he's punching himself in the face. And then they trade for Marcel Ozuna, who that was a terrible choice. I don't know why Houston made that move because the Red Sox absolutely destroy Ozuna and we did further in the playoffs. Jackie Bradley hit a grand slam off of him, and um, but apparently they preferred him over Giles, and and I don't know. He, he Giles is having a good you're year, talking, but you're 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 applying later discovered information to like to the trade decision, like. No, no one was going to foresee one that it was going to be the Red Sox that the Red Sox were going to own them. I mean, it, yeah, it's kind of frankly a little confusing. They chose Osuna over Giles, but especially given some of the off the field stuff. No, but I, I knew that was a bad trade. That Giles is a significant. He's your best bullpen arm. If you trade for him, he's immediately your best bullpen arm. Immediately. So why would you not take the opportunity to provide that asset to your bullpen? Because there's no slam dunks. Mariano Rivera, maybe Eckersley, uh, maybe, I mean, there's just no slam dunks. There's not, especially in the bullpen. There's guys that pitch well for a year, then struggle, and pitch well for a year, then struggle. There's just very few people that are like in year in and out year in and year out in that spot dominant and you know but right now we have the, you know especially if you can couple them with Stroman because obviously the Blue Jays are looking for assets assuming you can put some sort of package together I mean it it, it it's two cures with one stone okay now well, yeah go whether ahead. he pitches well or not I mean that's the case with anybody but there's red flags. I mean, you can't say there's not red flags. I that's that's my least favorite flag. I like checkered flags. I like other flags. I like Red Sox flags. I like American flags, but I don't like red flags. And he has them. And and this is not even a realistic trade. We don't we don't have the horses for Stroman alone, let alone both of them anyway. That part of it I agree with. Who doesn't have red flags that's available in the bullpen of Major League Baseball, Terry? Shane Green, I I would be comfortable with him. I, I and if we if that was realistic, I, I would get him and Will Smith too, for that matter. I think I would be way more comfortable with those two. Besides Giles, ask ask Houston fans. You know, just if you're bored, you know, sometime this week, be like, would he be a fit for Boston? And 
I think Houston fans would love to see it. They would love to tattoo that guy, you know, if they had a chance to in October. I just, I, I don't, I don't like Giles. Who's our last prospect, Liz? Our last one is Danny Duffy. Um, I don't know. For me, he's 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 meh. He's been with the Royals uh, his entire career. I think he uh, he did really well, like when he was younger. But now he's just like, nah. Eh, he'll just be an absorb innings kind of guy, and uh, that's where I'm at. I don't really have much for him. Go ahead, Terry. Well, Liz is right on the money, really. Um, I have seen his name brought up, you know, which is why I, you know, I included him. But very underwhelming, you know. Uh, he's the last couple of seasons he's been north of a four ERA. It doesn't make a ton of sense from a performance standpoint. He's owed fifteen million uh, in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So, Ugh. so it just it, I it's just not a fit in any way. So, I mean, maybe if the Royals eat money, I don't know if they're going to be an organization to to do something like that. But they basically gave him an Evaldi contract. They gave him five years, sixty-five million, and you know he's in the third year of that, and and he sucks. <laughs> and I, if Avoldi was a starter like Duffy, I think he would have similar numbers because those are basically what Avoldi's career numbers are. You know, it's it's a similarly bad signing, and I don't see a lot of value in it for the Red Sox. I mean, the only reason why he's probably even considered is because you could tra- Kansas City wants to dump him, right? And you could probably give him a bag of baseballs and a gently used fungo to get him. So, I mean, look, the end. The end of the day, this guy has no use for me. And you're married to him for this year plus two years at fifteen million per. No. I mean, for 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 reference sake, I mean that's. Porcello, Vivaldi, those guys are $17 million. This guy's $15 million. He stinks. I mean, he's a lefty. And I also don't want to be too lefty redundant in our starter rotation where Sale, Price, and Erod are going to be here. I mean, we're, we're, you know, I mean, there's got to be some balance. You can't be an all-lefty starting rotation. Uh, I think his stuff is just average. I've seen him pitch a lot. Um <coughs> I mean, generally competitive guy, and it's probably one of the reasons why he got the contract he got. But, yeah, I mean, I have no use for this. None. Now, with that said, okay, if we're approaching the deadline and nothing else is happening and you can get him for, you know, some cheat, like, you know, some low-level prospect, prospect plus a player to be named later, cash considerations or whatever the fuck it is, he's better than anything we got. I just think that... What you would, what you'd be effectively doing is one, you'd be immediately over the tax threshold and not even close. Two, you, he's a two-year, thirty million dollar deal moving forward, so you effectively bring back on the Pablo Sandoval money. So, you know, now that I'm talking through it, I'll be upset if they, if Danny Duffy is traded, <laughs> unless like Terry alluded to, they they sign money. But but like unless they are willing to pick up fifty percent of the bill, I mean, I'll I'd be upset if if Daniel. If Danny Duffy's a Red Sox at two years, thirty million over the next two years, it just makes no sense. 
Yeah, and that, uh, that it would just, I don't know. That would be that, even a bad move by Dombrowski standards, I would say. I mean, if that's what you want, why wouldn't you pay Porcello that and keep Porcello here? Don't do not do this with Daniel Duffy. This is fucking stupid. Yeah, I agree. Or get Stroman, for God's sake. Pay him the $15 million or whatever. I mean, I would rather have Stroman than freaking Danny Duffy. I, I thought it was hilarious, though, Jeremy, how you started to be like, well, if they could do something and get him for really cheap, maybe cat. No, just kidding. He really sucks. I don't want him. <laughs> I mean, the only difference with Stroman, though, Liz, is Stroman won his arbitration, and his arbitration number is still not going to get anywhere near Duffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two... Uh, Strowman's much better. I mean, you're gonna require an asset to get Strowman. You're you're gonna right. give up Chatham Dahlbach. There's an asset that you're gonna have to give up to make that deal work. That you probably don't know. You don't probably you won't have to include in a Duffy deal. You know. I mean, I would assume Kansas City would do almost anything to get rid of Duffy and clear the money. So true. Well, but, I mean, if you're going to do that, if you're just going to give up some lower mid-level prospects, why don't you just get Kashner? You'll get a better pitcher for less money, less commitment, and he'll he'll be a better fit. He'll absorb just as many, if not more, innings, and just it's just better all the way around. Just get Kashner at that point. Man, well, that's why I say. I Kat. know, I know. So you I, I, I'm, I am, Strowman, Wheeler, Bumgardner, Cashner, Cashner, Duffy, on in order of who I'd go with on the list. So I would go. I mean, I'd probably go Wheeler, Bumgardner, Cashner. You know, I, I mean, Strowman would be number one, but I'm, he's just not realistic. Of the realistic guys. I'd go Wheeler, Bumgarner, and then Kashner. And I, apparently I would be the least sad if we ended up with Kashner. But. Mm, I, I'd go Stroman, Kashner, Wheeler, Bumgarner. Get out of with Kashner, guys. Uh, hey, Come sorry. the fuck on. Hey, hey, hey. Familiarity, I feel like it matters. You're wanting impact now. Like, in fact, this actually leads into a question that I had for you guys. Are they are they trading for now, or are they trading for 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 later? Like, what do you what do you think they want? Oh, definitely now. I mean, we want to close the gap, you know, on, on the wild card, get into the wild card, and I mean, you can't declare the Yankees race dead yet. I mean, a lot of people have, but. They do have a tough schedule coming up, and we have two four-game series against them. So if they slip up a little, you know, it, it it might get more interesting than some people expect. But we're definitely trading for now. That, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I was what I was figuring. I mean, what were you going to say, Jeremy? No, I mean, I agree with Terry. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what I was thinking, but, I mean, and again, that, that, that falls back on just my my silly opinion of the whole, like, jumping leagues in the middle of the season. I just think it's a bad idea as far as production, you know, right away. But anyway. hey, no, I was going to call you guys out for your bad takes. It's that you think Cashner is a good fit. Okay, that's well, ridiculous. now that you mention it, uh, hang on a second. 
in his last two starts against New York, which uh, were in May, on May 15th, he had a start. Six innings, uh, only gave up four hits, two earned runs. Five days later, faced them again. Six innings again, five hits, three earned runs. So uh, this is a guy. Oh, and here we go. Two starts to go against Cleveland. Seven innings. Zero earned runs, and that's, I'm looking for some more here. Five innings on uh, in, in April against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, as Jeremy likes to say. Five innings, five hits, two earned runs. Sounds good to me. It's way better than any uh, fifth starter. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's Kashner, so... Having a, having a good year, and and he's had several uh, quality starts in a row. Uh, yeah, basically five in a row. He gave up six to the uh, Giants in an interleague series. But anyway, let's talk about J.D. Martinez. He's been in the news uh, this week. He uh, was basically in a press conference uh, during the All-Star festivities Scott Boris's uh, agent was in close proximity, also uh, talking to reporters about his situation. Uh, basically, Martinez does say he wants to remain in Boston. It's his favorite team, you know, basically since he was a child. Very pleased with how the organization uh, treats its players. and um, But... Scott Boris is his agent. They probably are looking to maximize. His market will be limited to the American League. That was discussed during the press conference. Scott Boris tried to sidestep it, as Scott Boris does. and um, But nonetheless, you know, it depends on what, you know, prospective teams, you know, are looking for. And... He's owed $62.5 million over the next three seasons following this. Uh, has an opt-out after this year and an opt-out after next year. And uh, that, those are player opt-outs. If he were to miss 60 consecutive games this season, then it would become a mutual opt-out and the Red Sox could move on from him. Uh, if they chose to. And this was language put into the contract from a foot injury he sustained in either 2015 or 2016 while he was still with Detroit. Another um, mutual option could kick in if he were to miss a combined 120 uh, games between 2019 and 2020 then the, the option after 2020 would then go from a player option to a mutual option. But I don't foresee that happening, and I think it's going to be entirely up to uh, J.D. Martinez and Scott Boris to decide. And Scott Boris did say at some point in the press conference that he does intend to sit down with the Red Sox and evaluate the situation. So... That tells me there could be a little bit of room for, you know, reworking the deal. But, Jeremy, what do you think about it? One thing I didn't like about JD's comments was that, you know, I want to be here and I, 
you know, I do respect the organization and how it treats the athletes. And then he said something that kind of shocked me. And I don't remember the exact quote, um, but it was something like, but it's kind of out of my hands now. Uh, uh, JD, what the fuck are you talking about? If you want to be here, you could be here. You just opt in. Opt in today. You know? The, yeah. the Red Sox will add $5 million to your contract to buy out the opt-out. They will do that. So what the fuck are you talking about? So that, to me, was speaking out of both corners of his mouth, which he has not done yet. That was his first time doing it that I can recall. And I had a problem with it. Um, it bothered me. Um, and I didn't think that's was something he would do. I, I, You know, and we've talked a lot on this podcast about Bogarts going to uh boris that scumbag and saying look i want to be here make the deal fair and get it done and bogarts wasn't having the boris you know playbook um which i we've all talked about we've all agreed we all respect that bogarts put his foot down and said i want to be here make it fair uh didn't do the you know the 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 drag it out and all that now jd it seems like is willing to follow the boris playbook which you know two things one it makes me like the player just a little bit less, although I will admit that I don't hate when players go get maximum dollars. I just don't hate that. I just thought, for whatever reason, J.D. wouldn't do that. Um, the second thing is it increases the likelihood that he won't be here because Boris knows that he's worth probably more on the open market than his current contract. So he's going to want that, and if J.D.'s willing to do that, then he's going to go. He's going to opt out. He's going to enter free agency, and there are will be suitors. There will be suitors. There's no question about it. So there you know, only, I, I, there'll only be American uh, League suitors, though. And a big topic that was kind of tied into this, and and Boris kind of touched on it was the Universal DH will not be here until at the very least. 2022 so that's the the final year of his contract if he's still here you know without opt-outs and without it being reworked and whatnot so it's just hard to imagine you know the national league is going to target him i don't think new york is going to target him by that point because they're going to want to re-sign sanchez and judge if possible they have Stanton for the next hundred years, it seems like, and they're going to have to pay for pitching, you know. So I, I think that takes the Yankees out of it. I'm not sure the Astros jump in it. You know, they moved on from Keiko, um, you, you know, so I I have no idea. You know, they signed Brantley to a brilliant two-year deal. I, I think those are the types of deals they're going to make with players in their 30s. And you don't really hear the same rhetoric coming from Scott Boris that you heard two winters ago when they were looking for a seven- or eight-year deal worth big money. They're not throwing that kind of number around. They're just kind of selling him on a, as a player that's, you know, an impact guy and... We'll see, but I I think Boris knows he he's he's not going to be able to negotiate this like he just did with with Harper. He's going to have to 
make a concession, at least in terms of years, and, and probably just go for the most average annual value for, you know, however many years he can stretch it out to, which at 32 years old, I mean, I think a six-year deal is absolutely tops, and probably more realistically, it would max out at five. So maybe a five-year, 125 million dollar deal I think would be tops and if you consider that he's made roughly 25 million the last two years you know that will have ultimately added up to 175 overall and the deal they were trying to get was for 210 so 175 isn't too far off of that you know when all is said and done Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I think he's going to get more than five years, one twenty. But you, you think know, he'll get we'll six. See. Six. I would mean, he's take him into his age thirty eight season. So I mean, that that to me is is the absolute most. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you that that's what I would want to pay. I just don't know that that's what it's going to take. I mean, I, there's going to be suitors. Look, I mean, look, Seattle's cleared money. And I know they're not necessarily a win now mode, but they they splashed. They they paid for Cano. They paid for you know, Encarnacion before they. I mean, they've done some things. They've got money. Uh, you know, there's teams out there. There's going to be plenty of teams, and it's going to require a good team because I don't think he's going to go to the Orioles or the Devil Rays or somebody like that who is either a combination of bad or bad and doesn't spend money, whatever. But I think there's going to be options there. Um, you know, so I mean, look, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised it's not done. And the fact that he wants to be here, but it's out of my control now, seems to believe that he's put it in Boris's hands and we're going to follow the Boris playbook. So he's opting out and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think he's basically what he means is it's in Scott Boris's hands. So um, we'll see. But. You know, just to reiterate, Scott did say Scott Boris did say he would he would sit down with the Red Sox and kind of take their temperature on the situation. And and when Martinez says you know it's his favorite team, you know, and, and that he would like to stay here, I, I believe him. I mean, you're not you're not hearing anything remotely like that coming out of Mookie Betts' mouth. And you know, he he even said recently on a Rob Bradford podcast that he wasn't even comfortable with Boston when he uh, moved up. So I don't know. I think, you know, I, I think your point is well taken though, Jeremy, he's, he's talking more like a businessman right now. And, you know, we'd like to see him closer to the Bogarts side of the spectrum in terms of, you know, passion for Boston, but I'm cautiously optimistic. We're going to, we're going to keep him. So here's one thing that drives me a little bit nuts is, and I'm going to use Bogarts as an example. When you talk about hometown discounts, okay, it's typically like we gave you your chance. We, you know, grew you, molded you, gave you the chance to make a lot of money. So now we want a discount. The Red Sox have, have shown that they're willing to pay fair market value. It's not like they're saying like, you know, we want a hometown discount, take... 13 million instead of 18 million 
like they're just like, look, let, let us just give you a, a contract that's appropriate for the market and we'll sign you. So it's not the Patriots who, when they ask for a hometown discount, they're like, hey, you have to take half of what you would get on the open market and we want to do it on a year-to-year basis. The Red Sox just showed with Bogarts, look, we'll pay you fairly. We'll give you a long-term deal. We'll make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. You know, and we'll do it today. So it's not like they're asking for some steal. I mean, we, and I, I strongly believe they have 10 years, 300 millions on the table. So with, with bets. So, I mean, look, I, I think that the Red Sox are fair. They're more fair than a lot of teams. Uh, they're not stupid with their money like some <laughs> Yankees, uh, Angels, uh, Mets, you know. But but they will spend. They're just going to do it to a certain threshold and then say, okay, it's too much. So I, I just, you know, uh, there's a number of players that, you know, Ben Intendi we've talked about. Uh, Bogart's just resigned. Uh, Devers is a candidate. Uh, Chavis is probably a candidate in two years. The Red Sox are willing to give you fair market value if you want it. Some people that's not good enough for. Nope, and it's not it's not good enough for Mookie, that's for sure. But uh, like I said, uh, I'm comfortable. I think JD is going to be around a while. So, and you know he he's the one that I kind of prefer out of the two. You know in terms of value. So, so uh, we'll get into one last segment. Uh, Basically, we're just gonna we're gonna look at the last few Julys here in the Dave Dombrowski era, era I should say, and uh, four players he's he's acquired in that month, and we'll just go over how uh, well they worked. We'll give it a letter grade too. How's that? So, Liz, who who's first? Uh, first one we got uh, Brad Ziegler. Red Ziggler, he was acquired in 2016, and uh, he was old. The Red Sox only had him for just that portion of the season. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't know that much about him. It looks like they gave up uh, two prospects for him. Not sure what level they were or anything, but uh, that was definitely a point in time when I, I was not paying attention to all this <laughs> with with them in particular. So uh, definitely dependent on you guys to to tell me what's up. I mean, he didn't seem bad, but he certainly wasn't good enough to try and keep either. So he went like immediately back to the national league, I think. So, yeah, I think he went and signed with Miami. Um, yeah, he's a side, he's a submarine sidearm guy. Um, you know, he's mid, I think he's like 84 with his fastball. And then he throws a, a, a submarine slash sidearm curveball and change up. Um, I give this straight a C. Um, my recollection of it was that they needed help and he was a cheap option and he had some, you know, he got some people out, um, but he certainly didn't move the needle and they didn't get anywhere in 16. So that was the year they, uh, let's see, that was the year before actually they got knocked out by uh, Angels quickly. So look, um, they asked a lot of him. They traded for him. He's not a strikeout guy. He's not a power guy. Um, you know, he just was, he's a niche pitcher with his submarine, you know, delivery. And, and for me, he didn't move the needle at all. 
you know, a, a C at first glance, I, I think, is fair. But unfortunately for Ziegler, um, he wasn't really used the way Dave Dombrowski had hoped because Farrell seemingly didn't know what to do with him. And Ziegler's career whip is somewhere around... Uh, Actually, it's only 125. I thought it was a little higher than that. It was higher than that uh, in uh, in 2016 when he was traded. Yeah, 130. Okay, so I thought I thought he was around 140. But Farrell would have a tendency to bring him in with runners on base and Ziegler, like you said, Jeremy Submariner, heavy, you know, ground ball rate guy and. When that happened, the runners usually ended up scoring, but he was fantastic with uh, Arizona in his short stint. Um, had a one eight five ERA in 66 appearances the season before. Had a two eight two ERA in 36 appearances in the first half of 2016 when he was acquired. And then had a one five two ERA with the Red Sox. And that's staggeringly low, but that's because Farrell kept bringing him in with runners on. And those runners would score, but would be charged to the previous pitcher. And if he was given a clean inning, I think he would have... You know, he would have stood out a little bit more. And another issue that happened, and I can't find any articles on this. I was just trying to do it. But it was a topic on WEI. Lou Merloni apparently, through his own sources in the clubhouse, said that Ziegler had been in a confrontation with John Farrell because he wasn't comfortable with the way he was being utilized and um, things got a little bit weird after that. I remember one stu- uh, one appearance shortly after that where Kimbrell was supposedly unavailable, so Ziegler came out for the ninth. Farrell let him get two outs into the ninth, and then just to spite him, went to Kimbrell for that one last out. And it wasn't a competitive game, and Ziegler was rolling, and... and that's one of the million reasons I, I hated John Farrell and, and couldn't wait for that guy to get fired. And, you know, we ended up, you know, getting swept by Cleveland. So Kimbrell, Ziegler, none of our top bullpen arms were ever a factor in uh, the three games we did play in the ALDS because we never really had a lead at any point in that series. And, uh, so Ziegler, unfortunately, you know, you know, is kind of a forgettable guy, but could have been utilized a little bit better. So I, I would have given the trade an A, and I think maybe when all was said and done, maybe this was one of the one of the reasons Dombrowski couldn't wait to move on from Farrell because. He seemed to already be identifying Alex Cora as a potential manager in the summer of 2017, you know, when, when Farrell was still here, and we still won the division anyway. But anyway, I, I didn't know I'd get that deep into Ziegler, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Any final thoughts before we move on, Jeremy? No. No, I mean, I mean we're going to – agree to disagree I think by the value of the pick and 
Well, we gave yeah. up nothing for him, so you know, you know, it wasn't really we had, we had everything to gain. But uh, Liz, who who did we uh, go after the following July? Uh, the following July, it looks like they went after Eduardo Nunez, which really kind of surprised me. I thought he had been with the team longer than that, but he came over uh, from the Giants um, for two prospects. And uh, I know he hasn't been, like, super great this year, but was it last year, the year before? Last year was 2018. Last year, it, it looked like he had a pretty strong year, and uh, or maybe also the year before. In uh, 2017, when he came over, he was, you know, he maintained, I guess. But um, I feel like that that was, you know, a seemingly good decision. Like, he's not the best, but he's not hurting you. He's been, you know, pretty solid off the bench, at least. He's almost like, uh, I put old reliable by him. Maybe I don't want to go that far exactly, but... Um, I'd give I'd give him a B. I feel like he's he's one that I've seen play you know enough where I have no idea who Brad Ziegler even is. Um, so uh, so I, I feel I feel like you know I feel like he could get a solid B for that trade. Jeremy. All right. So I compartmentalize the trade versus then re-signing him. Um, he was an absolute cannon. When he showed up, he was your best offensive player. He hit for power. He had big hits. He did a whole bunch of stuff really, really well. And he was a huge catalyst in getting the 17 Red Sox into the playoffs. And then he hurt his knee in the last week or two of the regular season. Played, or at least intended to play. And his first at bat, he had a weak ground ball and collapsed out of the batter's box. And that was it for a season. I give the trade that year like an A- minus because he was that valuable offensively to the 2017 team. And I don't think he healthy would have been a difference, but I would have loved to see that series with him raking the way he was in August and September uh, before he hurt his knee. Uh, so I, I give the trade itself a, 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 because he was a catalyst to getting that team in the playoffs. Now, he was then re-signed for two years uh, with the deal expiring at the end of the current season. That I leave as a separate situation. I will say that you probably don't sign a guy like Nunez if you don't trade for him previously. And he played an important role in um, winning the World Series, becoming your everyday second baseman, hitting the home run in the Yankees series. Uh, just generally had some moments that clearly helped you know, he earned his championship ring, in my opinion, even though it was after the trade and, and as a result of re-signing. So this year has been underwhelming. I, I don't that to me is separate and distinct from the fact that you know, this that was a good trade. Yeah, and that's what the segment's designed for is to just you know evaluate the trade itself. And uh, I I agree. I, I give him I'd give him an A as well. He was in a second straight season of having you know an a batting average of above uh 300 so had a lot of momentum coming into boston only had four home runs on the season at the time of the trade with the giants and then i think he matched that literally within a week and a half just extremely explosive you know he showed up made an impact 
seem to be happy to be here, happy to be on a competitive team. And, you know, it is unfortunate that he did hurt his knee. I don't know what, you know, I, you know, I, I guess I don't know if he would have been a difference maker either. I can't remember how he was being slotted in, though, because Devers was up, too. And I know Pedroia missed a lot of time, so maybe Nunez slotted into second uh, that season. And I think we had a roving DH because we didn't have JD yet. And uh, Poppy was gone. So I, I guess there would have been you know, a way to get him and Devers into the lineup. Devers was phenomenal, too. Uh, but uh, I, you know, with the with the Nunez trade, I give it an A, and I like him. I think he's a, a you know a positive guy on you know in the clubhouse and um, clutch in pinch hitting situations. So I I agree. On to the next guys. Sure, let's hear it. All right. Well, do we want to do? There was two in 2018. Um, do we want to do them both together or separate? Uh, let's go separate. I have a feeling it's gonna the letter grade's gonna be the same. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I I mean I I feel like the next guy on the list is is uh, Nathan Avaldi, and I feel like if you were looking at just you know, what he ended up doing in the World Series, like, you'd pretty much, you know, have to give him an A, I guess. But uh, I think what brings down that, thinking about it now, is more what they did after that. Um, But, and maybe I'm totally off base, I I don't know, but I feel like for the moment, you know, maybe he wasn't that great coming in, but he really kind of rose to the occasion when you guys needed him to, and that's, that's what mattered, you know, with that trade. So I'd give it an A based on that. I'd give the re-signing of him uh, not so much, a but uh, I guess that's not I'd what we're talking about. <laughs> so, but anyway, but as for the trade, though, uh, you know, what, what did you think, Jeremy? Why don't you hit lead off here, Terrence? Uh, sure. I have to give it an A, you know, for the, for the postseason alone. Um, you know, we needed a little bit of stability in the rotation at the time of the trade. Chris Sale had been on the DL for only a couple of weeks, and, you know, there was a lot of fuck-fuck type stuff with the rhetoric as to, you know, when Sale would be ready, you know, and it kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back, and then we'd lose a few games, and then he'd start playing long toss, and then we'd win a few games, and then he'd get pushed back. But, you know, Voldy came in, you know, and... He had two really good appearances against the Twins and the Yankees. Went on a bit of a skid after that, but we did have the luxury of, um, you know, a, a healthy division lead. And, you know, he he was a stabilizer. And I don't know what Jalen Beeks will amount to. Uh, that was the player that got sent back to Tampa in the trade. And uh, he seems to have some potential, but... Um, but you know, Avoldi uh, kind of held down that that fifth spot, and then when we got into the playoffs, he absolutely shut down the Yankees as he had 
in the uh, regular season and uh, kind of treaded water a little bit more against the Astros, but we uh, we won that game anyway, and and uh, we uh, will never forget the heroics of the Dodgers series. So I think based on the the postseason alone, you have to give it an A. Yep. I don't, I mean, yeah. Anybody that disagrees with that's just, you know, trying to create a dialogue that's unnecessary. So I just, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been like, you know, this year we obviously, you know, the performance he gave us in the second half of the season isn't going to cut it with whoever we trade for this year. So, um, yeah, so hopefully... Hopefully that aspect works out better. But Liz, who's the final uh, guy that we're going to uh, grade here that Dombrowski acquired? Uh, final guy, Steve Pierce. And uh, again, same same thing as Evaldi, honestly, for me, it, as far as last year goes. Picked him up, did awesome, MVP of the World Series. I mean, can't complain, got an A there, but... He, I mean, he's hurt now, I guess, but uh, he is a shell of himself, or a shell of himself last year, <laughs> right now. I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe it's his age. Uh, how old is he? 36, I think. Yeah, so maybe that's just catching up with him, uh, and he was just kind of riding the riding the wave last year. I don't know, but um, if we just want to base it off of how much did the, did the trade impact the team last year obviously it impacted them amazingly so so a for a for last year uh not so sure about this year jeremy he was the world series mvp (laughs) a plus uh the contract sucks he's only played like 15 games he's been terrible so i mean a plus he legitimately I don't want to say one year World Series because that's a bit much, but he he was voted he was an, as the MVP. He was an impact player, yeah. Yeah, he won the MVP. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm shocked a little bit by how pathetic he's been this year and just a non-factor. But the trade itself solidified their ability to hit left-handed pitching. I think it was a huge catalyst in winning the World Series, not just because he was the MVP, but because he came in and raked, and then Moreland got hurt, and he raked in his spot. And then Moreland came back, and he continued to to hit left-handed pitching at a really high level. I was always surprised by his defense. He wound up being better than I thought he was. And um, I give him a significant amount of credit for being the playing the role he did, not only in his um, regular season, postseason but world series so just generally his body of work he was a huge part of winning the world series and so he's an a plus a plus plus couldn't agree more um you know very productive right out of the right out of the shoot i think his on base percentage was close to 400 when all was said and done as well and there was a he, he was a Yankee killer all season, and I guess he had been previously uh, in his career. 
And there was a series in mid to late August where we swept the Yankees and Pierce did a lot of damage in that series and, um, you know, World Series MVP. But uh, so I give it an A++ as well, however many pluses you want to give. And but just one thing to think about, you know, before we wrap this with, uh, you know, Pierce, you know, in the show, quite frankly, Um if I told you in May of last year that Steve Pierce would be the MVP, most casual fans would be like, who? Who, who is going to be the World Series MVP <laughs> this year? And it was just out of nowhere, you know, and he, he was acquired. I think he was technically acquired uh, the last week of June, but trade season was kind of underway anyway at that point, and... Um, I just, who, who, what a Cinderella story, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, Cinderella, and then he turned back into a pumpkin. (laughs) Yeah, he did, but we got Chavis out of it. So, anyway, uh, just one baseball note, um, from tonight, actually, uh, Mitch Moreland, 0 for 4 in Pawtucket. So, um, this was the start of his rehab assignment. So, I don't even know how he fits in. You either got a DFA Nunez or you gonna send Hernandez back down to uh, Pawtucket. I think is the only the only way you fit him in. But any thoughts before we wrap? Looking forward to regular baseball. Um, this Dodger series is going to be a problem. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean I, they're going to lose. They're going to lose two out of three, and it's going to be a serious issue. We're not. You, you may come out of it. You may come out of it. This series goes wrong, um, real wrong, because it's going to go wrong. You're going to lose two out of three. But let's say it goes, and you get swept. You're potentially uh, shifting into seller mode. So. I yeah uh, I don't know if they they'll have the balls but we'll have a few shows to go over that uh, the the matchups we're not going to face Kershaw it's Maeda versus Rodriguez that could go either way Maeda's pretty solid Ross Stripling versus Chris Sale what Chris Sale are we getting you know first of all and you know and then Stripling it's his second year and you know we struggle against young guys and then uh sunday night hunjin ryu versus david price price matches up the best against you know any of our starters in this series against them but ryu has the lowest era of any national league starting pitcher and has a i i'm seeing this from christopher smith right now a 9.90 strikeout to walk ratio <laughs> Uh, that's and uh, just as he said, insane. So, um, tough series, and it, we might very well lose two out of three. <laughs> I, I would be willing to bet we're going to lose two out of three, but you never know. That's why they play the games. Go Sox! You're right. We'll, we'll see everybody swept. on Sunday night. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Thanks for uh, coming on, Liz. Oh, yeah. No problem. I learned a lot from you guys. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. Good Good night.
Okay. That uh, was a long show. I didn't think it would be. I figured it would be a shorter show where it wasn't the normal format, but I love talking baseball, so whatever. I can talk baseball all night long, so... We will see you this weekend uh, with the Dodgers coming to town, and uh, hopefully the Red Sox will exceed our expectations, as you could just hear, not a ton of uh, optimism. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! There we go. Time to party. Right here. 3-2. High the And crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, thankfully it's over! The Red Sox have won the World Championship! Welcome.